Confused by finances, investing, estate and retirement planning? Well, we went to school so you don't have to. Welcome to Finances and with Kathy and Norma. Welcome to Finances and Wills. This is Kathy and Norma. We went to school so you don't have to. So we recently heard about the unfortunate passing of Kobe Bryant, and it got us thinking about wills and how important they are. So I did some research and I found out that Philip Seymour Hoffman, he was in Boogie Nights and Hunger Games. When he died, he was not married. He had a girlfriend and two kids and he had an estate of $35 million, but he owned taxes of $12 million because he wasn't married to her. So the amount of taxes you pay is dependent on so many things. It's It's a death tax, if you want to use a nasty word, but it's an estate tax basically. Okay. And it matters. Hmm. Well, I, I know a prince died. I think it was 57. He had a really big estate, maybe 200 million or something like that a few years ago, like 2016. But he had no previous wife or known wife, no children. And it took them a year. He died without a will, which is important, uh, you know, topic here or point here. But he died without a will. And a year, it took a year after his passing to find out or to determine who was going to inherit that money. Ended up being his sister and five siblings. And so I I almost kind of wondered, did he know about those half siblings? You know, they... Because they were half siblings. They were his... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were half siblings. So I didn't even know about them. I mean, I've got... You know, my ex-husband actually died. I'm sorry, his father died when he was 16. And it was at his funeral that he realized he had a couple of half siblings he had no idea about. I I wonder if Prince knew about these people. Well, you mentioned that, you know, there was no wife that they knew of. There was mm. no any distant relatives, siblings, mm. child. And yet people came out claiming to be all of those things. So there's another exactly. reason it just took so long because they got to try and verify who's family or not. It's mm-hmm. it's scary. It's scary. Yep. But yep. wills are good. Absolutely. So when you die with a will, throw some words out here, it's called testate. And when you die without a will, it's called intestate. And to die without a will could mean a few different things. It could mean that there was no will at all. Mm -hmm. Um, none found. So it's important that you let someone know where your documents are. I know when I drew up my will, the lawyer actually told me, the one who drew it up for me, told me that she actually checks the obituaries every day to see if anyone that died is a client of hers so that she can provide the most recent will. So um, yeah, it's, it's important. I actually had mine. I have it emailed to my best friend because she's in there as the executor. And Does she need an original copy though or will the email work? Because I think they have to have an original copy. I have the original copies here, but my best friend lives a few states away. So she, she's got the email and then my kids know where my original copy is. So one of the things I found when researching was that you should not put it in a safe deposit box Mm -hmm. because getting the key and or getting access to that box could take a long time. So you should have it somewhere in your home, hopefully in a waterproof and fireproof safe. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, that your kids, somebody knows where they can find it so it can be easily accessed when needed. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely really important. You know, having a will doesn't resolve every issue at death, right? It's not it's not the be all and end all, but it does help to seek to avoid problems for the people you're leaving behind, right? This is a super challenging time for them and you want to try and make that transition as easy as you can. Yeah, you know, absolutely. 63% of us do not have a will at all. And the remaining 37%, 9% of them are out of date. In other words, that, that not that the will can't be used, but the information in it is no longer correct. Maybe you had children, maybe you got divorced, maybe you changed your mind about charities. So mm-hmm. it's a big deal. And uh, it seems like an easy thing to put off, but just like today, you just never know when you're going to need it. So having it's important. 
Yeah, absolutely. And if, if you have burial plans, just to your point earlier about not putting it somewhere, it can't be accessed quickly. If you have burial plans and they're in your will and they're in those, you know, in that stack of documents, it might be too late before somebody can get to that information and they may have, you know, done it their way. I do know that when I, again, when I drew mine up, I had some burial wishes in there and my lawyer specifically told me to make sure that I sent the to someone else exactly. because of that. She said, by, you know, let's just say, you, you know, you pass on a Friday night or something like that. And I don't look at it till Monday. You know, th- they may have already made the plans, not realizing that you had a request. In. Sure. So, so what does the will actually do for us? It determines how your personal property is going to be distributed, who it's going to be distributed to and what amounts. The personal property will be distributed according to your will because your will is written for the state you're living in. If you move, that's another reason to get your will updated. But real property or realty that you might have is going to be distributed based on the state that it's located in. So just make sure that when you're, if you own property in more than one state, that you've made arrangements for that as well, because the state can step in if it's, if they choose to, because it's their property, literally the land. So now who's in charge? The administrator is is appointed by the court. So if you die without a will, the administrator is the person who will get to decide who distributes or how your estate is distributed. They may not know your wishes. So this is another reason why it's important to have an executed will, a valid executed will, because then you can appoint what I just referred to earlier as, which is an executor. And that is what they call, you know, decedent appointed person who, you know, hopefully is somebody that is either close to you or somebody that you've had a discussion with explaining what your wishes are. No matter what, tell them what your wishes are. Even if it's in your will, make sure that you've actually had a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. An advantage of having a will also is that not just that you appoint the person, but that maybe there's somebody that you don't want to make, you know, that you want to make sure doesn't inherit any of your estate. Or you may have a charity, you know, favorite charity that you want to make sure gets a portion of it. As long as you have a will and you have that in place, you can have control over what happens. You know, specifically with kids, you've got to choose a guardian. And you've got to make sure that you have, again, spoken to that person, but that you've made plans for anyone that you is a dependent to you or children that you have. And you want to make sure that you are transferring your property that was not already assigned. So for example, your life insurance, your retirement, and some of your payable on death accounts, those are going to go based on what is already written in those documents. Mm-hmm. But any other property, you want to make sure that you're assigning it to somebody. Yeah. So, you know, payable on death, I think is, is definitely an important a point to bring up. Payable on death, for those who may not know, is when you, it takes five seconds, you go in your bank account profile or your CD profile or whatever it is, you know, whatever funds you have online, and you can add a beneficiary right there. And when you die, that money automatically goes to that person and basically skips probate, skips the will, skips everything. It's just an automatic ownership to that particular person. And not only is that a benefit just because it's taken care of, but that can be the funds that are used for your final preparations, right? So then they have money. You're not, you're not burdening somebody for weeks, months, maybe years if, if it does end up in probate. So that's a, a good thing. You can also assign assets uh, to charity. You can decide what it is you'd like to, to give to charity and, and how, those, how they'll be handing out. The real big purpose of having a will though is it might seem like it costs a lot to create a will right now, but you are going to save 
save so much in taxes and you're going to save work for the people that you love that you're leaving this uh, property to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know personally, I have been an executor, executrix on a will. And I mean, the, the will that the will was very specific. I knew what needed to be done, but I definitely don't want to get put in that position again. It is a lot of work and I probably would have accepted the assignment, so to speak, this first time around. But I definitely know after having gone through it, I don't want to again. So, you know, if anybody ever does ask me to be an executor for their will, I will politely mind. Sure. That's just me personally. I mean, it's a lot of work. Some might call it an honor to be, you know, to be put in that position, but I personally know it's a lot of work. And the person that I lost was, you know, was my father. And it was very emotional for me. And then having to deal with the legality of it all was very difficult for me to handle at that time. So there are limitations as well for a will. One is that if you disinherit someone, maybe you're cranky with someone at the moment and you say they're not going to get anything, they can easily challenge your will, which will slow everything down again. So just be aware if you're feeling like somebody doesn't deserve something, are they possibly going to come back and say, "Uh, yes, I do. And everything's going to stop until I get what I, at least what I want to say about it, right? Yeah. The other limitation I know is that assets that pass automatically by contract. And the reason I just say, I just said, I know is because I've, I've been through this one and it's a case where, again, in regards to my dad, he had a trailer that he bought with my mother joint tenancy. So it, the trailer's a property and it was on land. So there was the, prop, the personal property and then there was a real estate. And when he, after they got divorced, he ended up getting a different trailer on the same land, but never changed the real estate portion of it. So after he passed, the personal property passed on to his beneficiary, but the land itself passed on to my mother. So that was, you know, quite a battle afterwards. But again, this is a limitation of the will. Just because his will said that all of his assets pass on to a specific beneficiary doesn't mean that a state law can't prevail in certain cases. And this is a specific case where it does. And it's a perfect example of the state's going to decide what happens with the land that's in that state versus the property that's sitting in there. And, you know, you're mentioning, you know, a husband and wife right now. You need to resist having a joint will of some kind. They're not a good idea. And in fact, some states won't recognize them. You need to have a will. He needs to have a will. It's just everybody needs to have their own will. I was just reading about a husband and wife who were in their second marriage. They both had kids from their first marriage. The man dies. Well, actually, the two of them are in an accident. The man dies in the accident. The woman dies about three days later. But because the man died, all of his assets transferred to his new second wife. She dies three days later. All of her assets, which are now formerly his, transfers to her kids and his children get no assets because he had not put them in the will. He had just changed everything to his wife. So you just have to make sure that you got to think through the whole process of, you know, you guys could die fairly close and, you know, she might very well have saved money for his children, but because of what happened, it doesn't mean his children got any money at all. That's Gotta be a careful. Situation. <laughs> oh my gosh. Types of wills. What you know, there are three different types of wills. One of them is holographic will, which it, this is not very common, but basically it basically means it doesn't always have to be so formal. There are going to be times where you have an emergency situation and you create a will in a different way other than sitting in a, in a lawyer. So holographic is one of those ways, which means it's it's handwritten and it includes everything that a will is supposed to include. It doesn't need a witness right. and it's valid in most states. So again, this is why it's important to actually have a will created because these other contingency plans, so to speak, are not always going to be valid 
in this state that you're in. The other one would be a, it's called a non-cupative and it's an oral dying wish, what they call that an oral dying wish. Now this is not, also not valid. So yeah. what's the best way to have a will? So actually the <laughs> most typical will is a statutory will. It's, it's mm-hmm. created by your attorney or, you know, there are some websites and some, you know, things like at Staples you can grab to fill in, but you need to be very cognizant of the rules of your state, which is why having a lawyer look at it is going to be the most important step. It can be handwritten or typed, but it is going to be signed and witnessed mm-hmm. and the witnesses are going to have to be signing it as well. So it's, it's official as you can possibly make it. One of the things, that, the reason for that is you're really trying to validate, is this person of sound mind? You want to make sure that they are capable of creating a will, mentally capacity, and that they're not being influenced by others, which is sort of the danger of that holographic will that Norma was just mentioning is, you know, someone standing over you while you're penning out your will quickly. So it, it's just another step to make sure you're not under duress. To- so the sound mind and, and mental capacity, I know when it comes to wills, those rules really aren't as stringent as they are when you need to sign a contract. So you really want to make sure that the person that is you know, creating this will is of sound mind, but maybe something that, that can't be disputed in court as far as, as Kathy stated, you know, under duress or, you know, not, not in legal capacity. But again, these rules aren't as strict. So the wills are full of clauses or basically paragraphs that have information in them. And they're very specific clauses so that a, a judge would know what they're looking for and how your assets are going to be um, handed out. All right. We've got the introductory clause. That's your name, address, state where you live and who you're next to. The declaration clause, this is that classic line, this is the last will and testament of, and that you're revoking or canceling all other versions of your wills. Again, you should be looking at your, getting your will updated every three to five years. And so in that way, you want to make sure that you're saying that it, you are canceling out any other versions that might be floating around about it. All right. So that is, you know, what and who. <laughs> then we've got our bequest clause, and that is the distribution. So that is who gets what. That's another important clause, obviously, because that's the point of the will is to make sure that everybody's getting what they're That's what people are looking for. That's mm-hmm. the details that mm-hmm. that's the good stuff, right? Who gets- There's another clause called the residuary, and that moves any property that's not already assigned at death, going back to those transfer at deaths or your um, retirement funds, those kinds of things that are automatically going to be moved. You want to make sure that you are being specific about which individuals or charities they're going to get this. And then you can kind of end with that classic line of, I leave all my remaining property to Aunt Julia or whoever it is, just so that anything else can't be argued by other people. And the last clause would be that executor clause, the one I referred to earlier on, and that is who's in charge. So, you know, again, very important. You want to put somebody in charge so that your wishes are executed to that you want it. Don't, doesn't the executor also like pay the bills and deal yes. with any debt collectors? But we have to, you got to name that. You got to say, hey, you're going to be paying my bills for me. This is also a job that can be paid for that very reason. It might get a salary or stipend out of this or a percentage of the um, estate itself. And something else that I was just reading about, consider very highly having a sort of levels of executor in case, just like Norma said, you know, somebody might've named her as an executor and she's already peace out. I don't want to do it anymore. So somebody else needs to be listed after that, or maybe she's passed by then, but you need to have a couple people listed just in case, because what you don't want is for the state to decide that for you, because then they don't have any, you know, any buy into what it is were. Well, there's that. And then there's the fact that if the state 
goes and takes over, it's going to take a lot longer for your next of kin to get access to your assets and your funds. They will freeze your bank accounts. They will freeze everything until this is all all sorted out. So those, those funeral expenses, everything will have to be incurred by your loved ones because you didn't have that will in place, unfortunately. Yeah. And the last, actually, there's one more clause I want to talk about was the guardianship of your young children. Um, you need to figure out who's going to raise those kids. And once again, have a conversation with somebody prior to putting that in there and make sure that they're willing to be the guardian to your minors. This should include the names of Again, other people in case that original person can't do it for some reason or or doesn't want to do it anymore. Do not surprise them with your children. Make sure that anybody you've listed is at least at that time, more than willing to be the guardian to them. Because regardless, even though you've assigned a guardian to them, the court is still going to review that just to make sure that the kids are going to be well taken care of. And the bottom line is your death is going to be hard enough. You do not want to make this harder on anybody else than you have. Absolutely. Uh, you know, even if you don't have any money, I guess I just can't nail this hard enough. If you don't feel like you have a lot of money to be writing a will for, if you have kids, you've got to get that written down because you don't want their life any more horrible than it already is if you've passed on. and and they don't have somebody to take care of that. So keeping it, again, in a safe deposit box is not a great idea because they need to have access to that original copy and you need to be reviewing your will every three to five years. I know Michael Jackson, they couldn't find his will. And so his mother was going through the process of trying to be um, stated as the both the guardian and the executor. And after a year of searching for this and going through this process, they finally found a copy of a will, but it was seven years old. So again, it's just something you got to keep on top of it's it's not necessarily the top of your mind all the time but it's something we've got to make sure we're keeping track of you got anything else no i actually i don't wills are you know they're very important as i stated before you want to make sure that whoever you have listed in your will with any type of responsibility really gets notified prior to so that like you said just no not interested and have some contingency plans personally speaking on my will i've got a contingent and a contingent and a contingent i've got three levels of contingents on everything on whether someone needs to pull the plug, whether, you know, as far as financially there, every step of the way, I've got about three people that are contingent in those plans. Have you ever thought about what's the longest and shortest will? I think the shortest was what three words. It was something like all to my wife or all to wife and all to son. I think the longest was 1,066 pages. So if you can get somewhere between the three-word will and the thousand-page will, you're probably doing a pretty good job. I found out that the oldest will is called the will of Ewa. I'm ruining that, I'm sure. It's... uh, like 2,000 years old, something like that. It was found in the tomb in Egypt and he left all of his property to his wife, Teta. And then another fun one was uh, a Michigan millionaire. He died in 1919 and he declared that his fortune would not pass down. I I guess he was kind of a cranky guy. He would not pass down until 21 years after his last grandchild had died. That's a long probate. (laughs) (laughs) So 21 people who did not know him shared in $110 million because at that point, that's what finances had grown to. It's wow. great. All right. So finances and does not provide tax or legal advice and nothing in this podcast can be construed as such. Always consult a tax accounting or legal professional for advice on your specific situation. So that's finances and wills today. Please let us know what you think on finances and, which is two words, or on Twitter at finances and, or on our website at financesand.net. We love hearing from you. So ask your questions. Remember, we went to school so you don't have to. 